Call to order. I call to order this January 5th, 2024 workshop. Roll call. Mayor DePew? Present. Councilwoman Gillis? Here. Councilwoman Bennington? Here. Councilwoman Delbo? Here. Councilman Powers? Here. City Manager Irby? Here. Assistant to the City Clerk Monique Tupin present. Presentation. Presentation from our water, our water quality presentation. Presentation by Bob Paluzzi. Well, good afternoon. I'm Randy Cosel. I'm the Director of Environmental Services. Um, we put together a slide deck composed of uh, slides from various previous presentations, so there's not a, exactly a nice overarching theme. It's not super pretty. Uh, we, As best we understood what the topic was going to be, we put together some slides. We have some talking points, but uh, we're here to answer any questions you have. Um, we're going to start going through the slide deck here. Um, to my right is Deputy Director Jeff Thurman. Uh, to my left is Bob Plizzi, Water Plant Manager, and Ken Tripp, Utilities Division Manager. Great job being here. Thank you. Um, wanted to go through first the, um, the best ways to contact the city to resolve complaints. So during regular business hours, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., the best and fastest way to get to a human being is to call the city's uh, mainline number, 424-2400, extension 4000, takes you to the utilities customer service. They are very responsive. They've got, you know, operators and backup operators. They can, you know, help directly and dispatch, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, residents can also email customer service at cityofedgewater.org or on the city website, click the contact us link and choose among the various departments that are listed utility billing if it's an issue about the water bill or the water, if, as we're talking about here, if it's an issue about the water itself. Next slide, please. As you know, utilities are something that are there 24-7, 365. You always depend on them. They're always there for you. We have operators on duty 24-7, 365. I didn't know that. If you, yeah, uh, both treatment plants, the water plant and the wastewater <coughs> plant. Uh, if you have an after-hours weekend or holidays, a concern about, you know, your water or, you know, a broken pipe or some kind of thing, call the on-duty water plant uh, operator. Once again, the city's number, 386-424-2400, extension 4030. Now, most of the after-hour shifts are only covered by one person. That person has a lot of duties at the water plant. They're only, you know, occasionally at the desk when you call. If that operator is not at the desk when you call, please leave a voicemail. Make sure you have your address and a callback number if you want to call back. Describe the concern. That address is what's most important. If people don't tell us where they are or how we can get back in touch with them, it's as good as not calling in the first place. So please include that in the voicemail. The operator will listen to it when they get back to the, the desk and uh, will dispatch appropriately from there. And then with that, We'll go to the technical parameters of it. Okay. Bob, your turn. Yeah, I'll start by giving you a full rundown of how the water is drawn up from the well field, straight through the treatment process, and delivered to the customers. So all of our water is groundwater. It's all drawn from the upper Florida aquifer. We have 14 wells. Uh, they are all between 200 and 250 feet deep. Okay, the Florida aquifer is... One of the world's most productive aquifers, it supplies drinking water for nearly 10 million people. 
okay? Where the Florida Aquifer system is at or near the land surface is where you'll find the springs. There's more than 700 springs that's been mapped out in Florida. Um, the only, well, the reason we're here today is the one issue that we want to talk about is the color that's in our water. Uh, the color is a natural occurring item from the groundwater. Uh, what it is, it's the tannins that are leached out of decaying plant matter that slowly go down into the aquifer. You see that at the springs. It's no different than dropping a tea bag into a cup of water. As it leaches those tannins out of the tea bag, it stains the water. That's the water we draw up out of the ground. That's what we treat. Okay, so that's why there's ways to treat that, and we'll get into that a little later in the presentation, but that's where the color comes from. It's a natural occurring thing, and there's really no damage. There's nothing that could cause any damage from it. Um, like I said, we have 14 wells in two separate well fields, and we run every one of our wells every day. And we do that for several reasons, but the biggest reason is to evenly spread out our withdrawal amongst all of our wells. and all. So we're not drawing heavily from one area. We spread that out amongst the 14 wells. Um, we have a lot of redundance. There's times where we only run three wells to satisfy the flow of the plant and the demand of the city. That's why we're constantly rotating and spreading that demand out across all 14 wells. So anyway, those wells pump to the plant. We have one treatment plant that you've all toured, located out there by 95. Uh, that plant was built in 1992, so it's starting to get a little age on it. Um, the treatment, the major steps of the treatment process, is the first thing that it goes through is an aeration. And as if you remember when you came out there, the first thing that you noticed, you heard the water running through the aerator. It's a tray, falling tray aerator. And you may have smelled that hydrogen sulfide or that rotten egg smell, typical groundwater smell. That's what that aerator is doing, is getting rid of those dissolved gases and um, dissolved minerals and mostly that hydrogen sulfide. That's the biggest component that it's removing. Uh, after that aeration, we then go through softening hard water, soft water, we go through a lime softening process. Uh, it's very streamlined. We can do our whole coagulation, flocculation, sedimentation processes. They all take place in one upflow clarifier. It does a great job. Um, and what hardness is doing is going to remove, right. it's going to make it a more pleasant water to, to use. No, no, <laughs> I was trying to tell Monique, advance forward two slides, please. After we do the lime softening, the next step is pH stabilization. We do that with carbon dioxide. Uh, and then we come to disinfection. The disinfection is the most important part of the whole process. That's what's going to make the water safe to drink. Okay, that will neutralize any bacteria, any viruses. And typically, you will do that with some sort of oxidizer. The most common is chlorine. We actually combine chlorine and ammonia to make chloramines. Uh, this is very important, and we'll talk about this a little more later in this presentation, but that's what's going to make the water safe to drink. Uh, from there, it then goes to filtering. It gravity feeds through a multimedia filter, and that will just polish off the water and get rid of any cloudiness or suspended solids, what we call turbidity. That gets rid of all that, and this way we're putting a crystal clear water out. That's what the 
application is. Uh, from there, we go to either storage or high service pumping. With storage, we have a one million gallon tank on site, and we keep that tank cycled quite often just to keep the water from getting old. You want to keep water aged to a minimum, so you're always going to put fresh water out. Uh, and then the high pumping will maintain system pressure. So we've got plenty of redundancy on pumps as well. We run one pump. Typically, one pump can maintain pressure throughout the whole system. Uh, we have three pumps. So and those are 200 horsepower pumps. Correct. These are, are big. These are big boys. Large pumps. Those, every bit as big as these two tables put together. Well, every pump can put one pump. Wow. One pump can put easily out four thousand gallons a minute for the service. Mm. So, we also have remote, remote, remote booster stations. Uh, we have one at the old Park at West Park Avenue, which is the old water plant that has a half a million gallons worth of storage there and pumps. So more storage and more pumps for pressure. I remember that when that used to be our water station. <laughs> so do I. I worked that plant too. <laughs> that's, that's dating us a long time. Yeah, a, little um, a little newer than that. that. That was actually the plant that was built in 1978. Um, and we stayed there until 1992 when this new plant was built. Yep. At that point, we turned it over into a booster station. In 2011, we were fortunate enough to build another booster station down on Booker Street, the old public safety. Uh, down south of town. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one, we put a one million gallon tank there. So we have plenty of storage for fire protection, and we have the ability to boost pressure, and we could boost chlorine residual, disinfectant residual down at that south station. So we could take that water pretty far down south. Uh, our water travels all the way down past Goodrich, right down past the restaurant. That's how far our water goes to the south. Now, we bulk sell it to the county right there at Boston Whaler, and then they distribute it. But it is our water. All that water they're getting comes from the plant out by 95. So, and again, it's, we're trying to keep the water age to a minimum. So that's a challenge there. Speaking of the distribution system, there's a big picture. We start out with big water mains that come out of the plant, and then they just spider out through the city. Um, valves, hydrants. We have over 165 miles of pipe. And we have over 700 fire hydrants. Okay. From there, it'll go to individual service connections with meters and backflow prevention. Every one of our connections has a backflow. So if anything happens at the house, it can't get back into our system. It's once it goes to the house, it stays there. Um, we have over 12,000 of those in our system, connections. I didn't know our, our system. Oh yeah, that big. It's it's very. Well, big. I realize with the growth and all that we're having. So back to what we do as far as uh, treatment, and our biggest concerns are water quality. That's our biggest concern. We're concerned about quantity as well, but quality, uh, we go under strict standards through Department of Environmental Protection. Um, in Volusia County, the Health Department is our branch of. DEP, Department of Environmental Protection. Um, all of our primary and secondary water quality parameters uh, all, slide 12. all come from the 1974 Safe Drinking Water Act that was established to protect the quality of drinking water in the U.S. And everything goes under those standards. 
um, to talk quickly about primary and secondary quality parameters. Primaries are going to be health concerns. That's our primary concern is health in the city. Uh, microorganisms, uh, disinfectant residuals, byproducts, pesticides, metals, radiologicals, basically any disease-causing organism, uh, such as you've heard Giardia and Cryptosporidium, that's stuff that can really wreak havoc in people. Um, that's why that's a primary quality concern and we take care of that with disinfection. Secondaries are basically aesthetic concerns. Taste, odor, color, uh, hardness, that's all secondary quality parameters. Okay, so this, if you don't mind me interrupting to ask a question. The color that we were getting complaints about and all, that's just a secondary issue. It is, yeah. and it's not. It doesn't inhibit your 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 drinking or anything like that. It's no. just the color. No, but if no. there is a color, it's a natural occurring sediment. Naturally and it's occurring. More of a stain rather than. That's probably a fair way to yeah, put it. Yeah. Rather than something that's actually in the water. The best way to describe it is a tea bag in a cup of water. Right. Stain that water. Um, now the color that we do have can be bleached out very easily. You, know, you see that when you fill up a hot tub or a swimming pool. You, you normally see our color in a large body of water, right. like a swimming pool or a hot tub. Typically, if you get a glass of water, it looks crystal clear. You don't see any color. But the larger volumes, the big, pretty white bathtubs, that's when you'll start seeing a little bit of the color on the fresh swimming pool. But if you put a chlorine in your swimming pool and treat it like you should, it's blue and pretty. So brings up the question, why not use bleach? Water you probably don't want to drink high levels of chlorine. It was back to, yeah. The, that, the that's exactly it. What's that? I want to say that's exactly it. So for any residents who may be listening, if you're using your water in a non-potable way, such as in a <coughs> swimming pool, a hot tub, or even a bath, most people don't drink their bath water. If the color is a concern, you can add a small amount of bleach and stir it up, and that color will go away. It so dissipates quick, too. It, it dissipates quickly. But... We are regulated, as you saw, uh, under the primary drinking water standards. The decomposition products of that color are problematic <coughs> if you just, you know, just basically get rid of them with bleach. You can't see the disinfection byproducts, as they're called, but they, in large quantities consumed over and over, are deleterious to your health. Basically, they, they are pro the disinfection byproducts are bad for you over a long period of time over a lifetime of consuming them. So therefore, we're not allowed to create those disinfection byproducts and give it out to consumers on a you know, daily basis. To get back to the color, with the complaints, because that's one of the biggest complaints we have, the water color. Um, can't we just tell these people that put a drop of chlorine in it or, <laughs> or Clorox in it, we and it, won't, it won't be colored anymore? Yeah, that's, I mean, we don't message that far and wide, but yeah, I mean, that really is, if you're using it in specifically in a non-potable way, such right. as, you know, a swimming pool, a hot tub, or a bath. Yeah, it seems to me that this is a, <coughs> a bigger problem than it has to be, the color. Well, I, I just think the main point, though, is to understanding what the color is. Yeah. And right. just understanding that it's a, that natu goal yeah, it's a naturally occurring sediment, it's a naturally occurring stain, 
right? Teabag yeah. in the water. Unfortunately, so. we don't have a, a good, if you will, marketing word to call nope. it. In times past, certain staff have called it a champagne-colored water just to try to make it sound fancier. Than but water. obviously, high levels of chlorine is unhealthy. Right. So, that would make it unhealthy. Yeah. And, yeah. So. And we're not alone in this. Every utility up and down the coast has the same objection. Mm. So, you got well, any. Is it, is it because we're on the coast that we have that problem? Like, if you were a city like Orlando or somewhere, um, it would be different quality of water. It's processed differently. The difference in the center of the state is they have less natural organic matter. Okay? They don't have the big swamp that we have to the west that's creating all of this plant matter, decaying plant matter that's siphoning through to our drinking water area. So, over in the center of the state, they're pulling water with a whole lot less natural organic matter. They can treat it with chlorine, straight chlorine, burn out the color, bleach out the color, if you will, and not create the byproducts that we do. Ours is so high in natural organic matter, when we add an oxidizer such as chlorine, uh, that's when we create these byproducts, mostly trihalomethanes and haloacetic acids. And there's a lot of different byproducts that are created that are regulated. So they're the ones, and they are a primary concern. So we have to regulate those much more stringent than that. And that you don't even have to go too far inland. Even West Volusia water systems, there are some, I, I can't think of them which ones right now, but there are some West Volusia water systems that have a low enough natural organic matter in their raw water that they can use pre-chlorine disinfection. And it not leave the byproducts. And it right. not leave, right, byproducts above the, the regulatory limit. Yes. But nobody east side of Volusia County, even up and down the coast on, you know, this side, yeah. no, we all use chlorine. It's every water yeah. system. And that's what I said earlier. We'll get back to the, the chlorine and the ammonia when we do what your mother always told you not to do. We mix chlorine and ammonia together. Uh, but that creates a compound called chloramines, and they will create less of the byproducts than straight chlorine by itself. But it is not as strong of an oxidizer and doesn't have that bleaching effect that just straight chlorine would. Now, that brings us to different types of treatment processes that can remove the natural organic matter before it gets to the coast. And we have done studies all going all the way back to 1999. It's the first color study that we did. And we did it again in 2010. Yeah. And then we just did it recently in the last two years. And all of those studies all pointed towards the same treatment process. And that is a ion exchange type pretreatment is very expensive. And so I Randy elaborate yeah, on I, that. I didn't research the um, what the recommended or the cost estimate was in the most recent one, but my memory was it was around five million dollars construction costs, and that was in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty pricing. So it would go up from there. But just as a walking around number, about a five million dollar construction cost and then about a sixty cent per thousand gallon operating cost. Mm -hmm. For comparison, you'll notice that our uh, my handout doesn't yeah. show that. Well, our our lowest build rate is for water is around two dollars sixty, two dollars seventy cents, something like that per thousand gallons. So if we were to add on just that operating 
cost of 60 cents per thousand, you're talking approximately 20% increase on everybody's water bill. When I brought this up to the city manager, we discussed it. My recommendation was that didn't seem to be the direction that I understood council was looking for, to increase by approximately 20% for an aesthetic right. concern that's not really a health concern. Right. So because the oxidation process more or less just improves uh, not so much health, it has, but rather it would just better. make it look better. It would make it look better. Okay. And better. once again, if you have a quantity, I mean, this is coffee, but if you have, you know, normal, we'll say, consumption size quantities, you don't see the color. It's too light of a It's shade. not that it would be improving health. Correct. Or safety. Right. It's a visual. Now, there is another process that will remove the uh, natural organics, but that, that would be when this reaches complete obsolescence and we need to build a new water plant in... I'm going to spitball here, 20 or 30 years, whatever the, the you know, life expectancy of the now 30-year-old plant is. It's over 30 years old now. We will probably do what most other East Volusia and Flagler County, you know, coastal systems have done and go to a membrane process. You've heard of reverse osmosis. That's one particular pore size in this, you know, it's how you design the, the membrane. But basically they're, you know, high-pressure filters, if you will, you know, polymer Pushing filters. water through a filter and all the contaminants stay on one side. Right. You make those those openings big enough for water to fit through, but not those big color molecules, not those big, you know, other parameters that stay on the other side. That's a complete different water plant than the ones we have out there right now. But that is the future. That's, that's where we will be going to when the water plant requires a redo. And how long do you estimate before it needs a redo? After Based on the, the wastewater plant expansion. <laughs> we need to get past the, the wastewater, wastewater plant expansion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but still, I, when is the wastewater expansion? So uh, approximately 10 years From now? In, in that horizon. It's, it's marching closer, and if out west gets building, it'll march closer faster, which is why we need to stay on and track. We have the also. design and engineering for that completed. What's that? Then we have the design and engineering. Well, that was not for, for the, the wastewater. Not for the wastewater. Expansion. Yeah. We've okay. got for Dale Street yes. for the relocating of the, all the stuff. Yes. Yeah. So okay. that's why we need to stay on track with Dale Street so that we can expand Actually the wastewater. expand the wastewater, yes. And we need to get that all out. Um, I mean, Bob works at the plant every day, and he sees what 30 years on those iron beams and those moving parts have done. We, you know, keep Agent. up in maintenance. But and all we've ever done to that plant is maintained it. We've never had a refit or rehab. Wow. Well, you've been maintaining it. It is well. the original yeah. plant from 1992. Obviously, we've replaced some wear, wear, worn-out parts, wearing components. Um, but the plant is the same as it was in 1992. That's a huge testimony to, to maintenance control, though. Okay. So, yeah. Bob's done a really good job. And yeah. That's all done by the operators. We have never had a maintenance crew at that plant. Every operator there does everything from janitorial work to maintenance on all of the equipment. It's incredible. And yeah. answering the phones when people call. And answering the phones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially on shutoff night. I'm sure I bet. When I bet. one person is taking you know, 200 calls by himself and trying to operate the plant at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Let's see here. Where did that cut off? Uh, if you wanted to talk specifically about the incident over the weekend. Um, what well, I guess that council, I mean, 
would, would you like us to go to any particular detail on to any particular No, I just wanted to thank you. I, I think you answered all of our questions, and I think we learned a lot here today. And uh, thank you for your time. We, not well, I, 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 I have to, questions. Well, of course. Well, I'd like to know a little bit more about what happened over the weekend. <laughs> oh, so. she doesn't know. Apparently not. Yeah, tell us what happened over the weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. If so, if you'll advance forward, I believe it's slide fourteen. Okay, no. So, well, while we're on that side, that's not the side I was going for. But on the top left there, um, that is the lab at the water plant, and that's uh, operator Jim Hoppy. He's been with the city for forty-one years. Yeah. Over forty-one years. Been here since nineteen eighty-one. Yep. Um, and uh, Bob, you've been with the city what thirty since nineteen eighty nine. Thirty. What is that? I can't 30, do that math that fast. 34, 35 years. Thirty-four, thirty-five <laughs> years. So we have very dedicated staff out there. On the top right, that's the lime slakers. That's where the uh, the main chemical that gets added into the water for treatment gets added in right there. And just you know, more of a visual. This is a six-inch water line getting installed on Lamont Street. Those pictures are about five years old, but. Pipe is pipe. That's what it looks like. So when you think of pipes in the ground, that's a pipe in the ground. Um, on that bottom center, they're you know installing a fire hydrant and a valve right there. Uh, next slide, please. So this picture was posted to Facebook, uh, linked to the address of 1404 Pine Tree Drive. On Saturday evening, the city manager dispatched the on-call uh, water distribution operator. By 6.30, that city staff was at the door attempting to make contact, but no one would answer the door. So uh, the on-call person came back again on Sunday morning to attempt to make contact. Um, in discussing with the resident the um, problems that she was having, the uh, on-call operator said, well, the sounds like the best response is you just need to flush your line. Just open everything and let it run. He removed the billing water meter that was in there, put in uh, a blank water meter, basically a, a non-billing water meter, and said, listen, just open every fixture you have, hot water, cold water, let it all run, get all whatever is in your system, let it just purge out, you know. And uh, so then after he did that, he obtained a sample from the hose bib um, and uh, then flushed a nearby hydrant. This is all on Sunday morning. That uh, water sample then sat in his truck for a little bit. He got some more calls for service. Uh, he ended up bringing it to the water plant that afternoon. Um, it's fair to note here, he's not our normal water quality technician. He hasn't been educated. And in fairness, he did call me. He said, I got the sample, but I got other calls. He said, well, go respond to the other calls. Um, Bob afterwards informed us about proper sample preservation techniques. So it's possible that the sample the quality in the sample bottle may have decayed in the hours after he took it before it got tested. But nevertheless, the pH was 8.2, which is spot on where we want the pH to be. We like it to be a little bit north of 8. Uh, the total chlorine residual was 1.0. That's fine. Our minimum required level is 0 0.2. 0 0.6. 0 0.6, excuse me, uh, total chlorine. 1.0, that's our, if you will, our operational minimum. If we see that or any at all below that. We know that we need to go out there, flush a hydrant to you know, change over that water. The color came back in at 18 on the color level. Now, the operator did also mention when you change the meter, anytime that you cause an opening in the pipe, especially if it's down below grade, you're going to get some air in there when you put things back together. You may get a little bit of sand or whatever in there out there. 
who said there was a speck of dirt that was in the sample. That may have contributed to the color, or it may be, once again, this uh, person had some buildup in their lines. One way or another, it tested at 18 color. In comparison, 15 is the maximum that you're allowed under those secondary standards. So it's, it's just a little above that, you know what I mean? It, it's worthy of a response, but not a, you know, not oh my god. It's, we're not outside of any of the primary standards, but it's, it was high for color. So our response then on Tuesday morning, uh, the same operator went back, replaced the meter. It's now been, what, two days. Uh, replaced the meter with the resident's regular billing meter. And also the water quality technician obtained a sample, which was promptly tested. Came back at 8.4 pH, uh, total chlorine residual of 2.9, and a uh, color number of 7. So once everything was flushed, there was a massive drop in color. Now, we didn't really, I mean, Ken, you could probably talk to this because you talked with uh, the on-call person more than I did. He actually flushed a, a hydrant south of this resident. Water's coming from the north, east, southwest. It's coming from all different directions. Um, he also did flush the, the hose bib um, outside on the north side of the house for about a minute to two minutes before he took his sample, um, just to make sure that any oxygen or anything else that had gotten in there when he changed the meter out um, did do that just as a pre preventive um, to make sure he got a clean sample. I do have a quick question. Why would it, because um, I know I've had this question asked, why would you test the water in the hose and not a water from the faucet in the bathroom or the kitchen? We want it as soon as it's entering the house. Okay. I mean, that's typically where most of um, <clears throat> samples are for any of the residents. We don't like to go into the home. Um, we would rather stay outside the home. And, it, and we're testing it right before it gets in the home to make sure that it's a clean sample that's not being bothered by anything else inside the home. With that, and the, I, approximately what duration did he flush that hydrant? About well, 15 like, minutes? No, I don't think it was quite 15 minutes. It was probably like 15 And that was on Sunday? Yeah, right? that's basically when we go out inside the So we have a system-wide flushing protocol that the water quality technicians, you know, employ every, what is it, every month or every other month or something? Well, they're out flushing every day. Um, I have a flushing program. I have two water quality technicians that are out there all day long systematically flushing. Uh, we want to do unidirectional flushing. So basically they take the water from the plant and they go outwards with it instead of just flushing here, here, and here. It's all very systematic. Uh, and they flush with everything all included on average about three to four million gallons a month just maintaining water quality at dead ends and low-use areas. That, that's usually the biggest issue areas. I just want to point out that we did do some flushing, which is a, a normal, proper response to a sample. We didn't do so much flushing that would have changed the, I don't believe it changed our system branding by any piece. I think that some of that was... I think what solved this problem was the... The flushing the, within the house. Well, that's what I was referring to, more yeah. internally within the residence, yes. Yeah. That was the question I was going to have is what are things between houses that are going to cause like such levels of discoloration? Because I know other people that live on pine whose water doesn't come out that color. So is there, 
what are things that could cause like such higher levels of typically for lack of a better term the biggest problem we see in homes is water heaters sediment when people are complaining about sediment coming out of their taps it's usually just in the hot water uh, again with this house i don't know the whole situation i don't know if she was getting that same colored water in her toilet in her kitchen sink did she have that colored ice cubes i, I don't know any of that information uh, so but if being just a bathtub I would suspect that it came from the water heater. And again, if everybody on that street had this exact same colored water, then we'd have we'd be having a completely different conversation. If it is a hot water heater, and I know you're not a plumber, typically where would you suggest a resident to start looking for an issue? Most of them have drains on the bottom. You can drain them periodically. You're supposed to like once or twice a year anyways. How many people do? Right. Yeah. We used to back when it was new, and then we've kind of yeah, forgotten. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Those types of things, you should either have a professional help you with, or at least learn how to do it properly um, to do it yourself. Because what you can actually do is start stirring that water rather than actually draining out of the system, depending on how you either leave the, you have to vent the hot water tank so the water can drain out the bottom. You can do so by leaving the water turned on. And if you do so, that doesn't bring out the cold water and then you're not actually getting it How many times do you get calls that the water is discolored? We have found that our tracking on that is not as, um, let's say, rigorous as what we expect. Well, give me an estimate. So I think that our trackings are pretty wide, you know, customer service request systems. I think we're under-reporting or under-capturing the amount of water that we're actually So unfortunately, I don't think I can give you a really but we do have any way of tracking things. But we are getting complaints about it on a regular, some, pretty I'm regular sure basis. You know, any system does. That's why we have the water quality checkups is to, to respond to that, to keep the water moving, to make sure that the system is, you know. Okay, so if somebody, let me ask you this. If somebody called one of us and, and told us their, their water on their faucet, not in their tub, the faucet is, is a little dingy color. Would we tell them to call a plumber first, or do we send one of you guys out there to check it? So I mean, it seems like an awful waste of manpower to send somebody out there to check because their water is a little bit discolored coming out of their faucet. It, it, <clears throat> it depends on the situation and what it looks like, because there are things. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Water is very important, and if there is a problem that's causing a, you know, bad color, a bad odor, a bad, you know, something in there. This is Edgewater. Back in the 80s, we had uh, Coronado Paint had a, this is why we have backflow on every one of our connections. There was a backflow that happened, and propylene glycol got into our water distribution system all around the neighborhood in the vicinity of Coronado. That's the kind of thing, hey, this smells funny. We're not just going to say, well, go call a plumber. We're getting everybody calling. 
that's a bad deal. So, I mean, we take this seriously. Okay. So we <coughs> we have the manpower, so long as we're not getting overwhelmed with, unfortunately, I have to say it, frivolous complaints. Yeah. I think it's better in this case that we do respond. You know, we have the professional set that can say whether or not, oh, you just need to run your faucet for two minutes, or, you know, maybe you, they should contact a plumber. It looks like X, Y, Z. I've had I've had residents that um, they're not satisfied with what's done. You know, but what can you do? You tell them we send some, somebody out there. Now, Check your pipes now. Call your plumber. They get upset when you say, call your plumber now. Yes. So, but obviously, for the sake of health and safety, we do always check what we know to check it. Oh, absolutely. To verify yes. that. So, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. We, we take it seriously. Yes. You know. There's no concern or complaint that we've ever received that's absolutely. not followed up on. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is, was, now with Facebook and all, everybody... Somebody writes something like this, and all of a sudden, everybody's got that problem. When that's not true, and we know it, but how many of those do we check out? Do we have to check out all of them? Just the ones who make a phone call and say, hey, I have a problem. I don't think anyone's expected to go on Facebook or any other form of media and go to every post and, and follow up on every post. But no, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Randy started this out with showing the proper way to yeah. make to place a concern. If you well, I'll have that number yeah. on my <laughs> Right next to my phone. So when you, I just did it this afternoon trying to get the screenshot. When you search for Edgewater, Florida, you get all kinds of newsy groups and information groups and whatever. It's actually, at least in my search this afternoon, I didn't find the city's official page when I first searched for Edgewater, Florida on Facebook. Now, I've, you know, friended or followed the city's page, so I was able to get there. But this is the city's official page. For anybody watching this video, it's facebook.com slash city of Edgewater. This is the city's official page. There's a button there for contact us or however where you send a, a direct message. That's monitored. It's not monitored, I'll say, as often as the other, you know, customer service, you know, phone calls and mm -hmm. whatnot, like what we said in the first slide. But it is monitored by uh, city staff. That's the right way. If you're going to be on Facebook, that's the right way to respond. Next slide, please, Kathleen. This is really the best way to get to a human being, to talk to a human being, to get a phone call back if it's out of context. Um, so well, I didn't realize that, so I'm putting that in my uh, phone as a mention. I didn't realize that we had after hours out there. And to expand and on all the these after years, hours. I didn't realize that. Now, I haven't tried to just call up, you know, after hours and work through the phone system, but I'm sure there's a way on that to there is. You know, get mm -hmm. through that. So if I need to talk to him, I know the extension on my iPhone. He gives a list. Very detailed. I know we have a And to expand on the after hours, if it's a just the general color complaint, if somebody calls and says, hey, I just filled up my hot tub and it's it's very yellow or green looking, that's not something we're going to call somebody out to. Right then and there, it'll be something that would definitely be logged, and we may go check it out the following morning. Mm -hmm. uh, but we wouldn't call someone out for it's not a broken pipe or something of that nature. Correct. After hours, right? Yeah. Or now, if they have or if there's a purple water a coming out of their kitchen faucet, yeah. that would be something we'd call yeah. someone out. Or a so. petroleum smell, or yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard to just put a blanket thing. 
just, hey, the water has a color too. That's not really by itself. It's not really I don't have another random question I was thinking about. I don't know how much like any of these tests cost or if it would be something we could feasibly do, but would it be something that we could look at doing down the line if we could test where it's going into the house and then also where it's coming out in their faucet to see if there's a difference so we can show them like, hey, it's going into the house good, but something is happening in your pipes. This is where this is coming out this way. It's again where we would refer it to a plumber. Uh, our responsibility is water quality, we are responsible to the tap. But as far as the infrastructure and the plumbing, we really don't go past the meter. Microphone, please. I'm sorry. And uh, eventually, or they can draw a sample and even take it to Pinch a Penny or some other place and have their water sampled. I mean, there are other places to go to. That's, get, that's too hard. It's easier to or, go. And it doesn't even cost you anything when you do it. Um, but but uh, all Florida plumbing will test it. You can get that's interesting. some of the that same. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good resource. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can do those things. So if you wanted to have a comparison to what we said your sample was, what you guys went and did, you may find that yours is a lot worse inside than it is outside. Which could speak to an internal piping issue as well. Exactly. Thank you for that resource. I had no idea that we could do that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> if that would help. They're definitely going to sell you. you need to add shock. When they and, test yeah. tap water and they think it's pool water, they're going to sell you a bunch of chemicals. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, nobody wants to drink their pool water. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I'm okay. This was really thorough, so your time was really invaluable. So thank yes. you. And um, yeah, we learned things that we didn't know. Yeah. A lot did. of this, I was gonna say, a lot of this through the tours I knew, but to go over it again in this much detail in one one lift was important. So thank you. Yeah. Maybe I need an updated tour. I haven't taken a tour in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Well, we, the residents who are watching learned where to voice their concerns, and even after our number, they learned the process of where our natural water are. It comes from. Uh, we, you guys explained the chemicals that we use and why we use them and why we can't. Um, you also explained um, other utility issues and uh, how you go about flushing the hydrants and other processes. And we even learned that all Florida plumbing and pinch of penny can help some residents. So if you learned a lot, I really appreciate your time, especially on a Friday afternoon. And quick, too. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Are there any other questions? No, I'm, I'm getting to this. Okay. I, I learned stuff that I didn't even know, and I've been on the council I don't know how many times. <laughs> we are adjourned. I'm ashamed of Thank that. You.